One of the things we love most about Christmas is the music. Whether it is standing in a line at Target or listening to the radio on the way home from work. Hi, I'm Greg, one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. The music we hear reminds us that there's something unique about this time of year. In this series, Christmas Playlist, we'll take a look at some of the familiar Christmas songs and pull out some biblical lessons we can learn from them. We hope you enjoy. All right, good morning, church. How y'all doing? I don't feel like I, okay, now I sound like I'm on. All right. So um, before we get to the sermon, can we talk about that Christmas song for a second? Have any of you ever tried roasting chestnuts? By show of hands, any, any, roast nut, any roasting chestnut people out there? Okay, I only see a couple of people. I, I don't know if that really is a thing anywhere. My wife tried doing it a year or two ago. And this is not meant as any kind of insult on my wife. But those things tasted like what I imagined death tastes like. <laughs> they were just awful. It was, it was so bad. And it made me question that song, you know. Now, it could just be that we didn't know how to do it properly, uh, but they were whew, terrible, terrible, terrible. So anyway, <clears throat> that's not what the message is about today. But now that I've said it, I just can't get that ugh, taste out of my mouth. All right, moving on. So uh, about 25 years ago, 1997, uh, I left West Valley to become a youth pastor at a church over in Northridge, Northridge Christian Church. Wonderful church, wonderful people. Uh, met lots of people there that, are, that were just awesome people. Uh, love God. They love people just like we do. And uh, so it was a fun time in my life. The guy that still does my taxes was an elder at the church, still is an elder there. And so lots of wonderful, wonderful people. And so I went there to be the youth pastor to work with the middle school and high schoolers. And over time, uh, they decided that we needed a college group, and they let me be in charge of that as well. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, at 52, I'm still in charge of the college people around here. It made a lot more sense when I was in my late 20s. Um, but So I was in involved with the college people over there. And uh, we planned a trip, a ski trip, to Brian Head, Utah. I don't know if any of you have ever been skiing in Brian Head, Utah. Beautiful, beautiful place. It was actually a trip that Rob Denton, who's our lead pastor, he was still in charge of the college group here. He would do that trip every year with the college group here. And so we decided to do the trip together, which was wonderful. And so then my best friend, Greg Dom, also was a youth pastor at a large church in Huntington Beach, and so his group came along with us. It was wonderful. Rob, Greg, and I doing this trip together. That, when I was in Bible college, is what I imagined that my life in ministry was going to be like. Me just getting to plan trips with my buddies and just having our, our young people have fun with each other. I look back, you know, 20-something years later, that was the only trip that we ever did together. Um, I, I have no idea why, but that is the only trip that our groups ever did together. And so we planned this trip, and, and I don't remember who the main speaker was going to be, but, but we planned on doing a main sessions where there are speakers together at night. You know, everybody would ski or do whatever they wanted to do during the day, but at night there would be a main speaker. And uh, each group was responsible for their own food and lodging and stuff like that. And so, like for me personally, to plan food for a group like that was super easy. You know, like for some people, that, the idea of doing that would stress them out. But for me, it was no big deal. You know, I just kind of made up a little menu, what we're going to eat each night. No problem. I think Rob had been doing it for years already. 
And so he probably had a few people that helped him with that, or he might have done it himself, I don't know, but it wasn't a big deal. But my, for my best friend Greg, the idea of feeding his young people just was too much for him. And so I really shouldn't say this because this is being recorded. I can't decide if it was just because he was lazy or if it was too stressful for him. I'm going to go with it was too stressful um, because I've already told him about the sermon. He might listen to this. I'm sorry, Greg. Um, but, but I think it just stressed him out, the idea of having to figure out meals for all these kids. And he had a pretty large group. And so I went to the grocery store when we got into town. I was just picking up things like water bottles and bread and milk. Well, he shows up. He's got his big old group. And they're going into the grocery store. And yet he's decided that he is not dealing with the food for them all weekend. He has simply told his group of 18 to 25-year-olds, hey, bring some money with you. I'm going to take you to the store, and when we get there, you just go in and buy whatever it is that you want to eat for the weekend. Now, it could have been worse. They could have been junior hires, okay? I mean, there's a little bit more, a lot more maturity by the time they get to 18 and 25, okay? I didn't want to insult any of those people that are in the room right now, but, but it was a nightmare, okay? Because I'm in there pushing my carts, and you know, I've got the necessities of life, and I see his young people walking through the aisles, and they've got bags of Doritos, ding-dongs, and Mountain Dew. Like, that was what they were doing for the whole weekend. And so, again, the idea of planning food for all of them just stressed him out. And, and the reality is we all have different things that stress us. That would never be an issue for me. Like the idea of planting food wasn't a big deal. I remember the first time I went to on an Arizona missions trip. We went to the San Carlos Apache Reservation. And, and Bethany Cobb, who was the, the leader of our trip at the time, asked me if I would do the food because they didn't prepare the food. And I was like, sure, no big deal. I had a truck at the time. So my plan was I just threw my grill in the back of my truck. I threw a couple of coolers in the back of my truck that was filled with chicken and beef and tri-tip and, and all kinds of fun stuff. And we had a great time that week, okay? And so some things stress people out and other things, you know, whatever. We all have different things. And so for many reasons, as we come to this time of Christmas and the holidays in general, as we come to the holidays, sometimes those holidays can be quite stressful for people um, for, for a lot of different reasons. So these last couple of weeks, I was reading some different articles about stress. You might want to limit that in your life. Because sometimes you start reading things like that, and all of a sudden it's in your head, you know, and you got to go, wait a second, that's somebody else's problem, not mine, okay? But so I was reading some different things, and, uh, <clears throat> and so I wanted to find stress for a moment. I looked it up, and it said stress is a pressure or tension exerted on a material object. That's not what we're talking about today. Uh, the second definition, though, said a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. A state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. And so stress is about tension. And again, there are lots of different causes of that tension in our life. And as wonderful as this time of the year is, as we get together with family at Thanksgiving and now we're nearing Christmas, it can also be a tremendous time of stress for each of us. And, and there are different things. I was looking these things up. These are some of the major causes of stress. This isn't all of them, but some of the major causes of stress are major life changes, work or school, 
relationship difficulties, financial problems, being too busy, children, and family. Okay? And so again, that certainly isn't all of them, but you could see how as you go through the holidays, how a lot of the holidays and Christmas events, you have a lot of those different stressors kind of hitting up against each other. It's at that time, that family Christmas get-together that you're having to explain to your family the major changes that you've made in your life, or you're having to come to grips for the first time with the major changes that have happened in your life that maybe you didn't want and you didn't ask for. It's this time of year you see family members and <laughs> maybe for the rest of the year you try to avoid them. Okay, I don't know, do any of you have any of those people in your family that you try to avoid? Okay, no need to raise hands, sir. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, like, we all have them. Like, every family has that crazy, you know, Cousin Eddie. Sorry, Eddie, I know that we have an Eddie here, but I was thinking of Eddie from Christmas Vacation. Like, every family has that crazy Cousin Eddie. And if you're thinking about your family right now, and you can't figure out who that cousin, crazy Cousin Eddie is, it's entirely possible that it's you. Okay? <laughs> like, if you can't figure it out, it is, it is entirely possible that is who they think you are. There's nothing like trying to do your Christmas shopping, like realizing just how much money you don't have, okay? Like, I, I don't know how you guys operate your finances. Like, Christine and I, I normally take care of the bills, but she knows what's going on. And, and so it isn't a strange thing at this time of the year for her to come home with something that she's purchased for Christmas for somebody. And, and honestly, it happened just yesterday. I looked at her and I says, how'd you pay for that? I was trying to figure out, did she pay, you know, from our checking account or a credit card? Because there were wrong answers, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and luckily for me, uh, she gave the right answer. But, you know, sometimes as you're trying to do that last-minute shopping, you're realizing, wait a second here, maybe it doesn't all add up. Or trying to coordinate your family get-togethers between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, when I was a kid, Christmas was simple. I spent Christmas Eve with my mom's family, I spent Christmas morning with my grandma Stahlberger. That's what we did every year. There was no deviation from that. That is just the way it was. And then as I got older and Christine and I started dating and then we got married, there was some complications to our Christmas plans. Okay, when you add somebody else in there, complications come. And so I remember it like it was yesterday, like going, okay, what are we doing? And, and so Christmas Eve day, we would go to Christina's mom's and spend it with her extended family. Then we'd go to Christmas Eve service. And then after Christmas Eve service, we would go to my extended family get-together. Then on Christmas morning, we would wake up. We would go have breakfast with my mom and dad. We would then drive for lunch with Christina's mom. And then to wrap up the evening, we would drive to Christina's dad's for dinner. And so there were some Christmases where I felt like all I did was eat and drive. Eat and drive. And, and I remember, especially after Andrew and Tim were born, I remember saying, Christina, we, we got to figure something else out. Like, th this isn't going to, this isn't going to work. You know, unfortunately for us, we did. We were able to figure some things out. Uh, but the truth is, sometimes those things can be very stressful. And you know, even though, I was going to sound weird, even in the midst of sometimes those things causing you stress, you need to learn to enjoy them. You need to learn to appreciate them. Because as we've gotten older, uh, both of my in-laws have passed away. 
I purposely didn't say this in first service because I knew I couldn't do it with my wife here. But it's not the same. And I look back at those things that stressed us and say, man, I would love to have to do that all over again. And so even though crazy cousin Eddie might drive you crazy, you need to learn to love him and appreciate him. You're welcome, Eddie. (laughs) And so this morning, I want to read to you guys some familiar passages of Scripture. Passages you've probably heard many times. Uh, I was thinking about it. I, I think I started coming to church sometime in like 1987. So for 35 years now, I've been listening to Christmas sermons, which by my little bit of math work, I've decided I probably have heard over 100 Christmas sermons. Um, like two years worth of Christmas sermons. That seems like so much. And so you've probably heard these verses a million times. But as I read them today, I want to encourage you guys to, to put yourself in Mary's sandals as she hears the words that are told to her. I, I want you to pretend for a moment like you were Joseph and you are hearing this for the first time. Because we, we read them over and over and over and over again and we lose sense of like these are real people that this is happening to. And, and so I want you to, to listen to them like, like you're listening to it fresh, like the first time. So the first story is in Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. Luke 1.26 says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Imagine for just a moment, you're Mary, this young woman, probably somewhere between the ages of 14 and 16. And this angel comes and speaks to her. And even before he can explain what's going on, she's troubled. She's concerned about what's going on. Why? Well, it's not every day that you have an angel come and talk to you. I I can't speak for any of you. I, I don't know, but I have not had an angel come and speak to me. But I imagine if I ever do go through that experience, it will terrify me greatly. So as a matter of fact, when you read through Scripture, most times when you hear of an angel speaking to people, an angel of the Lord going to them, one of the first things that they always say is don't be afraid or take courage. Why? Because they recognize that that's a terrifying moment. They recognize that that's a situation that might cause you to wonder what in the world's going on. And so she's been told that. She's been told, don't worry, don't be afraid. But then she asks a question. Uh, how's that going to happen? Okay, the angel tells her, but she's like, how's this going to happen? Because she knows, she knows that Joseph and her haven't been doing anything they shouldn't be doing. 
She knows that she hasn't been with anybody else. And so what the angel has told her is something that in her mind is impossible. Think about how stressful that might have been for her. Was it life-changing? Yeah, it was life-changing. Was it going to make some of her relationships difficult? I'll bet. I'm sure there were people to the day that she died that didn't believe her, didn't believe her story. You know, did she maybe wonder how is she going to take care of this child? How, most importantly, as she's told this story, I wonder if in her mind she's sitting there going, how, how, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? How am I going to tell him? Like, this is so amazing. How am I going to say this to him? And so there are lots of details that we don't have. I would love to have had written down somewhere how that conversation went between Mary and Joseph. Like, I would love to have been able to hear the words, hear what was shared between Mary and Joseph. Because rightfully so, there isn't a man on this earth that has ever lived that would have believed her. Okay, no one. No one would have ever believed that story. How could he possibly believe those words that were coming from her lips? So now I want us to look at the story in Matthew as it relates to Joseph. In Matthew, starting in chapter 1, starting in verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Again, we don't know how long Mary had been pregnant at this point. We don't know how long Mary had been pregnant when she even told Joseph. We don't know how long she had been pregnant when when, when he is told about this. But what we do know is he must not have believed her at first because in the story it talks about how he is making plans to, to, to divorce her, to separate from her. Okay, And yet in this... I don't know, there must have been a a small part of Joseph that either believed her or felt compassion for her because he didn't want to make a big deal out of it. He didn't want to make a big show out of it. And again, I feel comfortable saying there hasn't ever been a man that lived that would have believed the story. And, And so I can imagine Mary was probably frightened by her visit from an angel and Joseph was probably frightened by that visit of the angel as well. But I also think to myself, as I read this story, like I think as terrifying as it would have been for Mary to hear that and for Joseph to hear it, in Joseph's mind, what a relief. Could you imagine how relieved, how relieved Joseph must have been as he heard those words of the angel? Because all of a sudden he's relieved because he knows that the woman that he is going to marry is not telling a lie. He knows that she's telling the truth. Like this thing that seemed impossible He is now being told by an angel himself that it is true. And so there must have been great relief. And yet there's a response that both of them had in their own each individual way that I want to draw your attention to. Because towards the end of the story with Mary in Luke 1.38, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. 
May your word be, or may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. She's like, listen, I'm in. I'm in. I'm willing. I'm willing to be obedient to what you're telling me to do. I'm in with this. And then Joseph, in Matthew chapter 1, 24, says a little differently, but the idea is the same. He says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And so both of them, after hearing this incredible story, responded with obedience. But responded by saying, okay, Lord, I am willing. I'm willing to do what you've told me to do. They're willing participants. And so this morning, as we think about this idea of stress and the holidays, and not just the holidays, at any time of the year, I want us to think about some simple things that I think can help us uh, as we handle the stress in our lives. And the first one goes right along with, with those last two verses about Mary and Joseph. Number one is, you know, you and I need to commit to living in obedience to God. We need to commit to living in obedience to God. I don't feel a need to spend a lot of time on this point because I feel like Pastor Rob and I hit this point an awful lot in our sermons. But you know what? God has called us to be obedient to him. And it's amazing how much less stress there is in our lives when we are living in obedience to him. Like I'm not saying that all of our stress is caused by our sin, but there's an awful lot of it that is a direct result of our poor choices. And so if we want to avoid stress in our lives, commit to living in obedience to God. 1 John 5, verses 1-3 through says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God. This is what it means to love God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. And so the idea of what does it mean to love God is, you know, to love God means we're being obedient to him. That's how we show our love for him, is by doing what he wants us to do. I believe that if we are, we are living our lives in obedience to him, it's going to cut down on the stress in our lives. I can't get rid of all of it, but it's going to cut down on our own uh, man-made, woman-made stress that we have in our own lives. Secondly, I want to encourage you to hold tight to the promises that God has made. You know, the Bible is filled with incredible promises that God has made to his people. Now, sometimes we terribly take them out of context, okay? And so we need to make sure that we, we look at God's promises in the proper light and not twist scripture around to say things that it doesn't mean. But God has made lots of incredible promises to you and I. Jesus, when speaking to his followers, and I believe this holds true for us today, in Matthew chapter 11, Verses 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you stressed out? Are you struggling to get through life? Jesus is saying, Come to me. Come to me. Let me give you rest. Let me, don't try to do it by yourself. Come to me and let me help you. You know, the idea of a yoke is the idea that it's with two oxen pulling to do your, you know, your farming. And how much, how much better could life be than us being yoked in a yoke together with Jesus? Okay? I mean, it can't be any better than that. And so if we're stressed, hold tight to the promises that God has made. In the book of Isaiah, God makes a promise to Israel. And I know it's a promise to Israel, but there are some words that are part of it that I think ring true for us 
even still to this day. And Isaiah 43, starting in verse 1, says, But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. Verse 2, what a key verse. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. He's not saying you're not going to have to go through the, the waters. He's not saying I'm going to find you a way around the rivers. He's saying, listen, when you go through those waters, I will be with you. That's a promise to Israel and I, but I think that principle is still true for us today. That as we go through the turbulent waters of life, God promises to be with us. Go down. In verse 4 it says, Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Verse 5, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. That is still what God is saying to us today. Do not be afraid, I will be with you. And again, he doesn't promise that we're not going to have to go through the fire, but he promises that he'll be there with us as we go through the fire. And unfortunately, I think sometimes during, during our hard times, God doesn't do a disappearing act on us. But sometimes we do a disappearing act on him. We run away when we should be running towards him. And that goes, that goes right in hand with this next point because the third thing about helping us with our stress is to remember that we are not alone. Okay, remember that we are not alone. Not only is God there with us, but God has created us. He has put us in this family, this team, as Pastor Rob likes to talk about it, so that we don't have to go through life alone. We are not by ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul describes the church as, as like it's like the body. Okay, so the church is like a body. Each one of us is a part of that body. Think for a moment about what part you might be. Okay, that's enough. Okay, but each one of you is a part of that body. Each one of you has a function in that body. If one part of your body isn't functioning, you have problems with every part, don't you? But the importance is realizing that you are part of something bigger. You are not meant to go through life alone. In that chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26 and 27, it says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We are all part of that body of Christ. And so as you are going through times of stress, whether it's right now during the holidays or whenever it is, you can't just pull away from the body. You can't just decide I'm not part of the body anymore. Not only can we not do that, it's just foolish. Matter of fact, when we're, when we're going through stress, when we're going through struggles, that's when we need to lean in to the body of Christ, not run away from it. Like that's what we're here for. That's why it's so important. I can't stress this enough. It's so important for all of us to be involved in some kind of small group. I don't care how you do the small group. Okay, we have our Wednesday night life groups. We have women's Bible studies that meet at every hour of every day just about. Okay, there's, there's fight night for the men on Thursday night. There's Sunday morning groups that meet. There are groups that meet all over the place. Those groups are so important because it's in those small groups where we are supposed to find the encouragement and the care and the support that we need as we go through difficult times. If we're not involved in one of those small groups in some way, there's no way anybody even knows who you are. And so if we're going to be part of that body, we need to figure out how we can get involved in a smaller way. 
so that we actually know one another and people know who you are. People will notice when you're not here. People notice when something is going wrong because you're not meant to do it alone. Lastly, I want to encourage you to focus on what really matters and what's eternal. Focus on what really matters and what's eternal. You know, a lot of the stress in my life has been caused by focusing on things that don't matter. A lot of the stress has been caused by focusing on things that, that aren't going to last. Things that I, things I needed to do or things I needed to have. Um, this week I was listening to the radio uh, on my long commute to work, okay? I don't know if you guys are familiar, I live a half a mile from here, so I don't have a long commute. Um, but as I was, listening, I was listening to the radio, and I don't know if you call people on the radio DJs anymore. They used to call them that, whatever they call them nowadays. But there was, there was a lady and a man, they were talking, and they were talking about these studies that they had read about stress. And they were talking about how uh, 25-year-olds seem so much more stressed than older people. Okay, and again, kind of like crazy cousin Eddie, if you don't know if you're an older person, if, you, if you're not sure, you probably are. Okay, you probably do fit into that category. No problem with that. And so I, I thought about it for a second. I thought, well, I can't speak for anybody else's life, but I feel like I am less stressed than I was when I was younger. And it's not just because my kids have grown up and stopped the vacuum sucking out of my wallet. Okay, I think it's partially because as I get older, I've begun to understand what really does matter and what doesn't matter. And I'm no longer obsessing over the things that, that don't matter at all. And so focus on what really matters. Colossians chapter 3, 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Set your hearts on things above. Not things down here. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. These are just a couple of ideas for us to help us as we deal with the stress in our lives. But I want to encourage you to commit to living in obedience to God, to hold tight to the promises that God has made you, to remember that, that you aren't alone, and to really focus on what matters and to focus on what is eternal. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your incredible love for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have in him. Lord, I pray that you would help us as individuals have the same attitude as Mary and Joseph, that you would help us to be willing vessels to be used by you. But Lord, I pray that we would also be those that would come alongside other people, especially as they go through the struggles, and that we could help them, encourage them, and lift them up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.